When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm really excited for today's podcast episode. It is going to be a little bit different than in the past, but today I've got Dr. Nick Schulte. How are you doing, Nick? Good. I'm excited to be here. It's been a while, so glad we're getting a chance to catch up. Yeah, for sure. So Nick practices in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, Nick and I worked together during his first year of ownership in his practice, and it's been about a year since we finished that process in coaching. I occasionally enjoy checking in with previous clients. And so a few months ago, Nick, I sent you an email just kind of see how things were going up. And it turns out that Nick has had a heck of a year in 2020. Many of us had, but Nick a little bit more so. But I was really impressed by some of the things that uh, that you shared with me and just asked if you'd be willing to come on the show and share some of those experiences. And so I'm excited for that. But Nick, before we dive into some of these things, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, dental school, a little bit about uh, your practice and situation? I grew up in a small town in central Minnesota. I went to a small liberal arts school near there, and I was a pre-dent, but truthfully wasn't really interested in going to dental school. Uh, so once I, once I finished uh, undergrad, I took a few years off and did a bunch of different things before deciding that I was ready for more school. And I uh, ended up going to get my master's in public health in St. Louis. Um, and it was during that two years where I realized like, okay, I guess I do want to be a dentist. So uh, I presented and defended my master's research on a Thursday, and then I moved back to Minnesota and started dental school the following Monday, and then I just graduated there in 2018. Nice. Yeah. So from the time I you know, committed to becoming a dentist, uh, I knew I wanted to own a practice, but I didn't really start thinking of the logistics of that until probably the end of my third year. I uh, discovered the Shared Practices podcast and just started consuming like all the free podcast information out there. Uh, and that's definitely where I first heard you and Justin. At that time, I was super stressed about student loans. And I had kind of convinced myself that I needed to make like $400,000 a year starting out just to make ends meet. Uh, it didn't help that I was married, you know, I married one of my classmates uh, and her eyes glaze over anytime I bring up finances. Um, so with that, with that in mind, I kind of, I considered purchasing right out, right out of school, but I wasn't really finding anything close to where we wanted to live. She's from Seattle. She's definitely a city person. And I found that in all of my years now in the city, I'm kind of a city person too. So um, I ended up just finding an associateship that I thought might lead to ownership uh, and it wasn't terrible, but it it definitely wasn't what I was looking for. So early in that job, I started looking again for a practice to buy. Uh, I was talking to like brokers or sales reps and wasn't really coming up with anything worthwhile. And then there was like one extra slow day. I think I just Googled 
dental offices for sale near me. <laughs> and uh, I found this website. Uh, I'd never seen this office before. The I'd never heard of the people selling it. They were selling like this office and a warehouse. So I was skeptical, but I got the info and I ended up looking at it and decided it was worth pursuing. We thought it was overpriced. So I made an offer and the transaction was actually fairly messy. I, the brokers had never sold a dental office before and I was too cheap to pay anyone to help me. So in one weekend, I ended up reading like by the numbers and how to buy a dental practice. And then I had my brother who had just graduated from law school negotiate the deal for me. So we ended up getting like a price we're happy with, not really understanding, you know, what we had just bought. And it was around that time, probably, you know, in the, maybe in the middle of the negotiating where I heard a podcast that you were on with, um, I think it was shared practices, but you were saying some stuff that really resonated with me. So I finally started looking at it differently, like having a coach or like a good, uh, competent lawyer. Started looking at it as it at it as an investment versus an expense. So I would say I think we can safely say that the lifestyle practices was my first investment as a practice owner. Yeah, that's cool. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, it's interesting to hear your your perspective on everything, but. Yeah, I, th- I think that's impressive. And it does take a, a mindset shift. And I think that happens to a lot of dentists, especially when you're still relatively new as a dentist, because, you know, it feels like dental school, you've been trying to keep costs low, low for so long, you want to cash flow well, to make the transition to be willing to to pay for experts and to get people on your team that are going to accelerate your success. Uh, it does take a shift in in your mindset. But and that's one of the number one concerns that I hear is that a lot of times dentists will say that they want to wait a while to make some money before hiring a coach. And that's fine. But anytime that you hire a coach, they should be making you money regardless of, of when you begin. You know, but there's challenges involved in, in going backward to undo changes that have been made or going back to the beginning in a sense. So props to you for making that commitment and investment early on. Uh, yeah, thanks. I mean, it was kind of a weird office. So I, I went into it like knowing that I would need some direction. The office had, you know, had a history of success. It had been there since the 1950s. And at one time there were two dentists working full time, but it had, you know, in recent years dropped off pretty dramatically. The dentist that I that first opened it was the guy that I bought it from and he was still practicing at 88 years old. That's impressive that someone could continue to practice at the, at that age. I mean, it's tough for me to, to fathom that, you know, my grandpa right now, he, he was the dentist and he's 94 and I think he's in pretty good shape, but you know, and, and he's still pretty independent, but it's, it's tough to imagine him practicing anywhere close to the age that he's at. I know. I mean, I'll say I definitely hope I'm not still working when I'm 88, but for him, I think he just loved what he did and he couldn't bring himself to give it up. But you could, I mean, you could certainly tell the practice was owned by an 88-year-old in terms of like how it was decorated or like the toys that he kept in the in the waiting room. On the clinical side, it didn't reflect that at all. I mean, it has a comb beam, uh, Sarek, he's got had like the fanciest treatment center dental chairs that money can buy. But I mean, even with all that, like I said, the practice was itself was struggling. The associate 
that had been there for like 25 years had left a couple years before and production was dropping pretty steadily every month in the year prior to me buying it they produced like 100 and, or 740,000 and uh, collected like just over half a million in the first year after we owned it we produced 1.1 million and collected over 800,000 so you know at that same time you know, while we were improving the production and making more money, we had lots of patients that would comment that they're happy with the changes we were making and the care they were receiving, you know, probably being a little skeptical, having gone to this guy from, you know, some of them up to like 60 years. So, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool. And then, you know, the staff is also feeling empowered and more positive about the work they're doing. So, you know, the money is easy to use as a measure of success because it's, you know, concrete and you can see the numbers. But one of the things I've found out during this process is it's not necessarily what you should worry about the most. Um, But overall, you know, I'm happy with what we've accomplished in the last, you know, almost two years now. And I definitely don't think I would have been where I'm at now without your help. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. It's interesting that you you point out that you know using money or production or collections shouldn't necessarily be used as the number one indicator for success and we often talk so much about the money because it can be used as a tool to provide freedom and increase fulfillment and satisfaction but i think it's worth worth saying you know the other side of that as well i think i might have shared it before on this on this podcast but i really love the quote from jim carrey where he says I wish that everyone could become rich and famous so that they could see that it's not the answer to anything. There are a lot of other things that will determine your success more than money, you know, like the strength of your relationships, if you're serving others, providing value to other people's lives. So thanks for sharing that. But before we move on, I was wondering if you could touch on one point. I remember you talking or remember us talking at one point during our time together and you expressing that you pictured things progressing more quickly or the process being easier or the success being bigger. You know, it's interesting to look at your numbers now and and to see that, you know, you increased the practice by, you know, like 60% in that first year. But do you remember that conversation? Can you talk a little bit about that, the effort and the energy that you had to put into things? And do you have a different perspective, you know, now that it's been over a year? Yeah, I I remember that day, that discussion. I It wasn't one of my better days, but I think it was for sure during a month when we, we'd regressed a little bit. And I was at that point, I was still like really hung up on the money and if production dropped in a given month, I was letting that affect how successful I felt. You know, like I mentioned before, I listened to these podcasts. That's how I kind of got interested in, you know, being an owner. Uh, And I hear all these stories about ambitious dentists that, you know, jump into ownership and they have this huge success and like pay off loans really fast or retire really young. And I was using those stories to measure my own success. And it was stressing me out that I wasn't on the path to do some of those things because I was working really hard. And even if I wasn't physically in the office, it still consumed my mind most of the time. Like it's all I thought about. So what it took me a while to realize is that I wasn't defining success for myself. I was using other people's success as the measuring stick. And it wasn't until 
more recently that I really understood what success means to me. And in doing that, I've relieved a lot of the stress that that was causing me. Yeah, that's that's really interesting that you bring that up. And I have fallen into that trap as well. Sometimes I feel like it's a good thing because it can push you to get out of your comfort zone and to see what is possible. But you just have to be careful of it because at the same time, you know, you want to define success for yourself and you want to reach for what's going to bring you fulfillment and, and happiness. So it can be tough balance. You know, a lot of times I'll share my story of paying off my loans quickly and having a high producing practice on, you know, working three days a week. And I don't do it because I want people to compare themselves to me or to feel like that they should use those indicators for their own success. But I share it to show that the sky is the limit. Don't use my criteria for your vision. Come up with your own definition and and crush it. We're in a time where there's so much doom and gloom around dentistry and uh, corporate offices, uh, low insurance reimbursement, high student debt, and the list goes on. And I really want to share with everyone that you can succeed no matter what the circumstances are. Be relentless in hitting your goals and and define your own success and and you can you, you can hit your goals. So now that we've kind of discussed that, tell me a little bit about so when I checked in with you in that email, you know, I was kind of just expecting to hear, yeah, well, practice is going well, blah, blah, blah. But that's not what the response was at all. So tell me a little bit of what you shared with me, what your update was for uh, a lot of uh, 2020. I mean, it's been tough. Like most people, my office shut down in March for about two months. And that was hard, you know, coping with uncertainty and worrying about my family, supporting my family, but also my employees and their families. But that ended and we got back to work and things were great. Um, we were you know, super busy catching up and record production, all of that. And then around Memorial Day, the George Floyd thing happened, which was really close to where we live. The riots were you know, near our house, in our neighborhood. We woke up you know, in the morning with the you know, streets filled with smoke and our target was gone, all of that. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I, I have never, I've never personally gone through an experience like that. And I, I heard stories about fire and police departments, like not being able to respond to calls. I, I can only imagine, you know, how scary that type of situation would feel. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's kind of conflicting. Thinking back on it, it's, it's, on one hand, it's you know, scary to watch your city and your neighborhood get destroyed. But at the same time, it's hard to be you know, mad because there's a reason that it happened. People had all this anger and frustration built up and uh, they hadn't really been hurt any other way. So you know, while the rioting and the destruction sucked, <laughs> it, it was really cool to see you know, every morning after there was like 10 times more people out helping clean up the damage and you know, the families riding around with brooms on their bikes, um, helping clean up businesses. And um, that was really cool to see. Unfortunately, we didn't really get a chance to participate because the morning after the second day of rides, my wife woke up and she had a pretty severe stomach pain. And it was bad enough that I, I took her to the ER right away. And she was, you know, shortly after diagnosed with colon cancer and they 
rushed her into surgery and she ended up spending, I think, nine days in the hospital and no one could visit because of COVID. And the hospital itself had to be protected by the National Guard because of the rioting. And so eventually, when she came home, we got the pathology report and found out that pretty serious form of cancer with you know not a great prognosis. So she started chemo pretty much as soon as she could. And just two weeks ago, finished her last infusion um, after six months of treatment. And so far, no you know, no signs of new cancer. So we're optimistic about that. But, you know, it's for a lot of reasons, this year has been tough. It has certainly been a wake up call, but a reminder why I decided to be a dentist in the first place. You know, I've been, I've made a point and I've been able to be with my family more over the last six or eight months. I stopped staying late in the office. We closed on Fridays. And now when I'm home, I'm I try to be present. You know, it doesn't take away the pain and the stress of of what we've gone through, but it allows me to enjoy the time that we have and appreciate good days. Uh, and it makes coping with bad days a little easier. I made the decision to focus less on work, thinking that the practice would suffer. And I was, you know, okay with that. However, that hasn't really been the case. The work we put in with you, you know, making goals and empowering employees and building systems basically allows the practice to run itself. We're thriving. Like since June, we're averaging like 120000 a month in production. I don't even have an assistant right now. Wow. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this is what I was kind of alluding to earlier about what defining success is to me. You know, I'm able to keep my work at work and focus on what's most important to me when I'm not there. Uh, I don't really worry about money anymore. I actually, because of the the PPP loan, I started paying myself a salary of just like a hundred thousand a year. And that pays my bills. Like I haven't had to take any more money beyond that, you know? So, so it's not necessarily the way I wanted to learn a lesson. It's definitely been good learning experience for me. Yeah. That's really pretty humbling. I mean, even to just, hear you say all of that is, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's, it's tough to even imagine my, myself in that type of situation. You know, we're, I think a lot of, probably most of the people listening to this podcast, you know, most of us are pretty young and we hear a lot of experiences like that once in a while, but like, we almost kind of think, uh, yeah, that, that won't happen to me. That's just kind of random one-off types of events. Um, so, you know, the other thing that's interesting to me is that you kind of you kind of had to get to the spot where you didn't really care if if you suffered a little bit with the with the practice and with income that it was still going to be worth it to you to take off more time. And I, I think there's probably a lot of dentists listening that you know if they've gone through that uh, that, that resonates and it did with me. Um, I I just kind of hit a point where I was like, you know what, if I'm I'm willing to cut back time. And if it, if it means that, you know, you know, my goal was just to keep, keep production the same. And I had the same experience as you that, uh, the month after I cut back to three days was my best month, uh, that year. And, uh, anyway, I, I couldn't believe it. So I think one of the big takeaways from, from all of this is, is the importance of family. 
everyone has a different motive for why they want to accomplish things. And I think that's one thing that has really bonded Steve and Justin and I. We are each very motivated to work hard, but what it comes down to is that our why is is really our family. I remember in, in dental school reading about highly successful entrepreneurs and business people and hearing a consistent theme among their regrets later in life. And the most common regret was that they didn't spend more time with their children and their family when they were younger. And it totally makes sense to me. You know, you, your kids only get one childhood. You you really only get one phase of your life to be a parent and to be such a huge influence on your kids. And, you know, at, at some point they'll grow up and, and make decisions independently. And that's a good thing. And it's part of life. But take advantage of the opportunities that you do have that are right in front of you. I totally agree. I mean, one of the saddest realizations that I've had during all this was my youngest son was born. Uh, he's about a year and a half old now, but he was born two months premature uh, and spent his first seven weeks in the hospital. And that happened right, I think it was like the third month I owned my practice. I came home at like nine o'clock one night from a dental meeting and my wife was there and she had just gone into labor. So we went to the hospital and he was born at two in the morning and I was back at work at 8 a.m., like six hours later. And I had, I remember that day vividly. It was my, I mean, I don't remember what I did because I was so sleep deprived, but I remember that I, that I had my first $10,000 day as an owner. But for those seven weeks that he was in the hospital, I'd work all day and I would go uh, straight to the hospital and, you know, sit in his room with him and hold him. And while I was doing that, I was, you know, listening to dental podcasts and making spreadsheets, tracking production indicators. And it wasn't until all of this that I, thinking back on that, I realized like, even though I was there physically, I wasn't mentally present in those moments. And I don't want milestone moments in my kids' lives to be remembered because like I had a high production day. So, I mean, it goes back to, I'm kind of a slow learner, but I mean, it's taken these events in my life to kind of figure these things out. Yeah. The sad thing is that there's a lot of people that don't figure that out until they're old and their kids are grown and they've got grandkids. So, you know, the fact that you're, you're open and, you know, you're, you're able to reevaluate yourself day to day and week to week, month to month, year to year. I think that's what's important uh, because all of us are going to have experiences where we think, oh, we could have done that better. But yeah, I think that's a great takeaway. It happens to all of us. I've mentioned in the past on the, on the podcast that I've studied the philosophy of, of mindfulness, trying to truly be present in the moment uh, at all times. And it's challenging, but it's completely changed the way that I live my life. So true. I mean, mindfulness and taking care of yourself, like understanding what you're going through and, and what you need to do to stay happy and stay healthy. Like I used to be on the, you know, the miracle morning kick where I would get up and try and accomplish all this stuff in the morning and had this realization one day, like I'm tired. I need to just sleep today. And, and sometimes that's okay just to do that. Like understanding what you're going through and, and making accommodations for yourself is important. Yeah. The other thing that comes to mind from this experience that you shared is from one of my favorite books by Ryan Holiday, The Obstacle is the Way. He goes into a lot of detail about how the fact that our greatest challenges and hardships often lead to our greatest changes and improvements in life. 
sometimes it goes the other way and we can make ourselves worse off. But the point is that we are in, we're in total control of our response to these types of situations. And if we can change our mindset to recognize that hardship is an opportunity to grow, we'll experience a new perspective on, on life, just like you did. Because you went through that tough experience and realized what you missed out on, now you're able to change the way that you live life now. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's you know not easy and, and something I don't think I would have figured out without experiencing it firsthand. You know, obviously, you know, things are still kind of uncertain with us, but um, we're going to keep growing and learning from it. And if the worst case scenario ends up happening, at least uh, we made the best of this time that we had. Yeah. I'm reading a book right now by Cal Newport. It's called Digital Minimalism. And uh, a lot of what he talks about is just trying to to optimize your life and your experiences. And uh, he he talks a little bit about um, Henry David Thoreau, I think, I think it was, and just how our currency in life should really be our time. And that, you know, that's, that is really the one thing that we cannot get more of. And so it's made me kind of reflect a little bit more about this type of topic and these types of situations. And I think it's interesting because ultimately the reason why we are doing this and we're putting in the work in our practice is because ultimately if we can work hard and front load the process, it's going to give us more time in the future where we can spend more time with our families and, and really take all of that in and take advantage of those opportunities. But an important part is that none of us know what tomorrow, next month, next year is going to bring. All we can do is focus on where we are now and what we can do today to put ourselves in a better position for tomorrow and next year. You know, and I think your story says it all. You never know what will happen. You could have an opportunity or disaster strike, but that doesn't matter in the moment. All that matters is that you take what you're given each day and you do the best that you can with it. You know, so in your situation, you took advantage of the opportunity in front of you in the moment. You know, in your practice, you didn't wait for something to hit you where you really needed the practice to be there for you. You built the practice into something that you realized later would would support you when you really needed it. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I, I guess I kind of got lucky falling into the help that you gave me and, and putting in all this work early on to get where where we're at professionally, but it's given me the confidence, you know, to allow the business to move to the back burner while I focus on the parts of my life that matter most. So I really appreciate all your help in, you know, allowing me to get that done. Well, thanks, Nick. You definitely deserve everything that that you worked for. Well, we'll wrap up here. If I could, I think if I could finish with one thought, it would be this. It would be enjoy what you have now and start doing what you can today to put yourself in a better spot tomorrow. It can be a tough balance of truly trying to be fulfilled and at peace in the moment, being grateful for what you have around you while also pushing for a better tomorrow. And I think a big takeaway here is that Nick didn't wait for disaster to strike to get his butt in gear. He worked hard at every opportunity and has put himself in a good spot. So 
For everyone listening, decide what you can do today to put yourself in a better spot tomorrow. Anything else you want to add, Nick? No, I mean, just thank you for what you do. I really appreciate it. I mean, I know the information that you provide and the support you provide is so, so valuable to uh, people like us. So keep it, keep it up and uh, I'll keep listening to this podcast. Maybe not this episode, but the other <laughs> ones. <laughs> Good deal. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to, to share your story and your experiences. If anybody's listening you know, and that some of what they've heard from you resonates with them, is there a way that they can reach out and uh, get in touch with you? Yeah, for sure. My uh, email, ntschulte, S-C-H-U-L-T-E at gmail.com. It's probably the best way. Love talking about this stuff and I'm happy to help in any way I can. So yeah, reach out if you, if you like. Awesome. Well, thanks, Nick. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next time. Without a net, never break a sweat Cause I live